All right, boys, I'm all fucking hyphy off of espresso beans. I'm, I got that Cesaro juice running through my veins. I'm ready to do a show. I like I like how you're now addicted to rain energy because <laughs> you, you drank one before and you were just like, I can see time. And now you're just like, yeah, I had one this morning. I'm going to save the espresso for later. <laughs> yeah, the fuck, your fucking big old bag of stay awake juice you got jesus jesus christ what are you running on like one hour of sleep for the last three days i know you have a child but fuck man i thought that stopped eventually are you good to drive not because of the alcohol because of the caffeine i assume you're hallucinating right now the child uh stays asleep it's the fact that i did also just get spider-man for ps4 meaning that i've been up till five in the morning just web swinging don't you have a job no i'll be Welcome to Fight Boys, the show about professional and not so professional wrestling. I'm your host, the, the new baby face turned Scotty Moore. I am the Friar Man Blake Tanner. <laughs> I'm still wondering where you come up with these. I'm the Dylan. Yeah, he brings a different one every week. He he? really, and he he brings it way out of left field sometimes. It's like listening to a, to a Teddy Hart interview. It's just like you're going and then bam, you're just like, where am I? This week it is because I've been uh, just enamored with my new air fryer. It makes everything so crispy. Man, I thought you meant the religious type of fryer. And I was like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything, Blake? (laughs) All right. Well, wrestling. Turns out he's gotten into the sacramental wine. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Well, wrestling happened. And as uh, as a magician... I'd like to tell you guys, that's not how fucking fireballs work, NXT. That's not how that shit works at all. In fact, I have something right here that can show you exactly how that works. It is a, it's a flame wallet, and as you open it, basically you flick a, uh, a thing, it catches it on fire. But here's the thing, Keith Lee already looked in, there's nothing there, meaning that, what the fuck is wrong with Keith Lee? I mean, okay, so all I saw from this was the still of just just Keith Lee's face on fire, yeah. basically. I'm like, how did that happen? It's one of those things that I'm like, I don't think Karrion Cross needed this to add it to his character, that he can make shit set on fire. Like, he does not need an Undertaker addition to the type of wrestler he is. He needs to just be a murder boy. Uh... I mean, it's it's the it's the Scarlet Board Bordeaux. I think it's it's her, not him. He's he's like the muscle. I'm pretty sure they're going for she's mysticism. That's why she comes out and has like a fucking like, you know, hourglass and all this other shit. She's a witch, is what it is. She's a witch, and he he's her familiar. <laughs> he's her massive hulking familiar that murders people. Yeah, exactly. You need that kind of relationship if you're going to get anywhere in the witch world nowadays. Uh, other NXT news, Velveteen Dream is back. Fuck, okay. 
which led to a lot of people on Twitter just being like, WWE probably found evidence that he didn't do it. And I'm like, hey, look, if we're going to talk about that track record there, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm fairly sure they went, no, no, we looked into it. We promise. We really did. We found one person who said he didn't do it, and that was enough for me. That's uh, that's mostly how they do shit. I still don't know about this, but... It's, it's okay. That just meant that we got Grimes time, baby. Yes. <laughs> Cameron Gra- the way he says it has made me a fan. Yeah. I wasn't a fan before because the hat's stupid and he has like he looks like a weird mix between like like Sling Blade and Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. But I remember when we first saw him at that NXT live event and he came out and the whole time you just kinda kept leaning over like What the fuck's that hat about? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> what's that hat? What's a- had no problem with him as a wrestler. Yeah. Still don't. Love him as a wrestler. That hat was so questionable. <laughs> I I honestly, the minute I saw Velveteen Dream back, I was like, I don't even need to read the result. He's in the match. And then I got to the end and went, oh, okay. Okay, I see. They're, they're really feeling him. I feel bad for Kushida. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, you were the greatest junior heavyweight in all of Japan. You are the ace of New Japan's junior heavyweight division. We're going to bring you in here, and you're going to wallow in the undercard of NXT. Yeah, that is what NXT does best uh, from New Japan talent, doesn't it? Yeah. No, no, they got, they got, they're, what, they're, they're, no, because uh, they're they're one out of three. He's trying, he's trying so hard. He's like, well, hold on, Kenta. Oh, not Kenta. Hold on, wait, no. Wait, Yoshi, Yoshihashi. Oh, oh, not Yoshihashi. <laughs> oh, no, not Yoshihashi. Yoshitatsu. Yoshitatsu is New Japan. They're, uh, yeah, no, they're one for four on, uh, actually, no, one for, wait, what do we consider Akira Tozawa? Is he a success? He he was technically cruiserweight champion. Uh, I guess. I think if to ca- he, he, if Tazawa remember, is- remember remember he now leads a gang of ninjas. Are we considering him a success? <laughs> if Tazawa is like your highest bar, I think that he just reaches into mid card fun guy at this point. So Funaki. Uh, yeah, exactly. No. Funaki, you, your best bet commentary. Let's see. Any other? Not really much news out of SmackDown. Oh, Shotzi, oh. Shotzi Blackheart. That saga. Oh yeah, was Shotzi part of? Yeah. Well, no, her no, her fucking car got stolen. Oh, and it had yeah. all her gear in yeah, it. Yeah, I saw. And they that. found it this morning or this afternoon. The video of her riding up to the cops, like who found her car as she was going to get it back. She's got a tooth in her gear with a toothbrush in her hand was oh, just the best shit. I thought you were about to say driving up to the cops in her plastic tank. <laughs> like, just walking up, driving up to them. Did you find it? Everybody was just like, I can't get over the, the, the sheriff's not making anything out of Oh, wait, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, dude, between both parks, or between three theme parks and, like, everything else, they're like, she's probably coming from a gig. Or, like, this is an outfit at, like, some bar. I, or this fun. is just how she spends Tuesday nights. I don't judge. I'm a Florida cop. Yeah, I, I would have loved if it was the exact same cops who found Jericho's AEW belt. And they're like, man, fuck it. I don't know at this point. Like, you're the fifth one this week. I saw something the other day. It was uh, from Big Calix. And he goes, uh, well, thanks to the one-year anniversary of that time, I found Joey Janela's tights balled up on the side of the road in Philadelphia. Because apparently, like, a year ago, he lost all of his fucking gear, and apparently Calix found it on the side of the road. (laughs) 
I really want to know what goes through the mind of somebody who steals a car and they're going through like the bags and stuff and they find wrestlers tights or something. Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck is this person into? And then all of a sudden Shotzi Blackheart appears from behind them, like peeking up like Keith Lee in that fucking gif chokes him out. Uh, I'm about to stab you with this toothbrush. <laughs> I'm about to shoot you with my tank. I gotta get my helmet back. Did you hear the story about how her helmet was in there and how, like, how she got it? No, what? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Um, her helmet, which she carries with her as part of her gear, um, the school she was training at, uh, it was just sitting there as, like, a, an accessory. It was, like, sitting on the wall or something. And when she finished her training, she asked if she could take the helmet with her. And they said yes. Oh, fuck yeah. And so, like, that was the biggest thing that she, like, that she lost, having her car and her gear stolen. Like, that, that is the most sentimental kind of thing that you don't want to lose. Well, speaking of tanks, apparently that whole line Lana said a couple of months ago where she goes, Rusev wanted to fuck everywhere. In the backstage, at the Dave and Busters, on the tank at WrestleMania. Apparently that last line was not a fucking goof, because she confirmed recently, yeah, we had sex. Uh, I think she said in the Dead Sea, and also on the tank. <laughs> I mean... You fucking based god, Miro. <laughs> that man is an insatiable he, listen, fiend. Listen, he, listen he, he fucked his wife in a tank on Rusev Day, no less. Yeah. That is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially like i appreciate their relationship in the fact that they're willing to get creative i i, I appreciate the fact that he managed to like score a hot supermodel wife no no i genuinely i wish they had kept him around and did handsome rusev as a legitimate angle where he was just backstage getting fucking everybody led to a rivalry between him and angel garza on who could pick up the most women like this is the storyline that they missed out on by getting rid of him mm -hmm. i do i do uh, also rusev like fucks yeah I do like that, like, he picked her up before he was really, back when he was, like, long, curly hair, like, I almost look Samoan Rusev. Man <laughs> had a glow up. That was impressive. Damn. Uh, that, <laughs> I, I know that it's probably something that they just did on the sly, but I really, really want to imagine Rusev going up to Vince one day, and he's like, Vince, I need to tank. No, no, no. This is the day he got fired. The day he got fired, he busted into Vince's office and was like, I fucked in your tank. I don't care. I'm out. I'm Rusev. <laughs> it's, it's you fired me? I fucked it. Hey, guess what? I fucked in that tank. That's why you didn't get the security deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vince just like puts his arms up and says, I did too. What? <laughs> what? No, no, no. He's just to me like, make him champion. Make him champion. I wish we didn't fire you. No, Vince, we fired him. What? No, he fucked in the tank. I was so proud of him. Uh, you, know, you, you know what you should be proud of? Yes. What? Retribution and how consistently awful they are. Thank you, because it's a bit like I got. Ex what did they do this week? Because oh, I didn't yo, see. Yo, it. Can I? Can I? Well, hold on. Let me talk about Raw because me, me, me and Blake watched Raw together. You could talk about SmackDown, but uh, me and Blake watched Raw together because we were gonna record and we just said, "Fuck it, let's watch Raw for a few, see what garbage." And I was like, 
Well, certainly Retribution, they kind of upped the ante on SmackDown. They've got to up the ante even more. No, didn't really do that much shit. Did not do much on Raw. But on SmackDown, they did this. Okay, hold on. But I I first want to say, like, we were seeing the lights were going out during the Orton Flair segment. And we're like, oh, is this Retribution? Is this? And then it's like. Oh no, it's just a cover-up for kicking an old man in the face. Fucking bodying the nature boy with your foot. Yeah, we're gonna come back to that, but Dylan, please, SmackDown. Wait, now I'm now I'm confused. SmackDown was the bit where they threw was was SmackDown the one where they threw a cinder block through a window and then threw a cinder block after into the broken window? <laughs> was that raw? <laughs> No, no, but I didn't see that one. No, smack. Yeah, yeah, they threw a cinder block into like, like, they threw like one of the front windows. And then they threw another cinder block in after the window was broken. And then they all cheered like, yeah, we did it. And then they ran off like a bunch of middle schoolers. I've never been less threatened by a group of people in my life. I love their- If I met them in the parking lot, I would continue walking to my car. I just love people who stop and laugh. People are asking, like, who who was going to be part of it. And they're saying, like, oh, it could be Dijakovic and Ciampa. That's who's being rumored. And people are like, did you see who came out on SmackDown? Because I guarantee not a single one of those motherfuckers were dominant Dijakovic. Because they were all under five foot tall. Yeah. It's- plus, plus, there's no way Ciampa's going to the main roster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is just, like, one of the weirdest ways to introduce a stable well, like, to me because it's like i understand you want to go for the uh the the nexus style fucking shit up but now you're doing it like dylan said as a band of middle schoolers who don't know how to do anything and just like think spray painting a dick on the ring is gonna See, work that's why i got excited during the flare um randy segment because if you look back Nexus was big not because they came out and destroyed shit they were big because they came out and destroyed shit during a John Cena biggest name in the company match, the Shield got big because they came out during a John Cena championship match. In fact, if you want CM Punk and John Cena, if they're fighting, that's when you need to debut your new evil group. But and so, but I got some bad news for you. Yeah. So I was sitting there like, okay, Randy and Rick. Randy kills Rick or whatever. Then Retribution comes out and beats up Ric Flair massive heat that would get them the attention they needed no they didn't do that what they did do was come out on smackdown and spray paint just squiggly lines like they had a few that looked like wwe with like a a, a, the ghostbusters no through it um and then the thing everyone brings up is like they had a chainsaw Ooh, they had a chainsaw and they cut the ropes that they have numerous of backstage. It's not a big deal that you cut the ropes. My favorite was uh, Alley Cat on Twitter. She tweeted out, I had an edible last night and I thought I made up retribution. (laughs) I thought I made up the chainsaw spot and then I saw it really happened. Well, the problem was they didn't have Justin Roberts to cut in half and get fired for. Yeah, exactly. So, man, I, I... at least I'm not intrigued, which is more than I could say for, like, numerous mystery angles like this. Like, SmackDown's uh, SmackDown's hacker, very interested in that, even if it did get, quote-unquote, spoiled. I was interested in that. Eric Rowan's dumb spider cage, interested in that. 
no, they've broken me now to a point where I do not care. I don't know who they could have in retribution that would make me care about them. Listen, do, do, you, do, you, do you know what I'm interested in? I'm interested in, in Liv Morgan trying to get the Raw Underground strippers more notice. I'm really interested in where this angle goes. Yeah, I was... I want the Riot Squad to recruit strippers. That's my new hope. Well, That's my I, fantasy booking. It's it's a bizarre thing with... Also, I love Dylan's new role, which is just to segue us between all of the segments. He's like, I don't have anything to say about this, so the faster I segue, the faster we can get onto AEW. I'm getting decent on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone put, I personally wasn't pleased with the dancers because I felt that it was a rather large step backwards from the... Rev- uh, the evolution accurate live response we have come so far in the evolution and with no signs of slowing down i don't think it's in any danger showing beautiful women proudly dancing believe it or not huge money-making profession doesn't hurt anything empower all women and plus those dancers were so nice and i agree with that i agree that like i think that don't profession shame people yeah Yeah, because i think that uh, it's it's hard because to me that's like if it's not in the women's division, it's not a step back. Well, no, then I, I, that's what she's kind of going I, towards. I, I understand that, but for me, like, I understand empowering these women, but also they ain't got personalities. We we knew the names of the Nitro girls at least. Like, we had at least that. But like, if I like, I've got friends who have OnlyFans, and I know who they are. I know their personality, and I'm like, that's the way you want to make money. Go on, get that money. But we're not even getting person. I don't know where you would show their personality. It's been two weeks. But listen, wait until next they're week. They're not when, on when TV anymore. Stri- they took them out. They said, "Fuck it, no more." Yeah, wait till next week when they bring them out. They're their own faction. They beat people <laughs> with stripper poles. <laughs> to be fair, also Scotty. Nobody on Underground has a personality, even Shane anymore. <laughs> what, you don't you don't like him off to the side being like, get underneath him, get underneath him, ah, fuck, ah, damn it, you're messing up, man, ah, dip, go around, he's got the back, ah, shit. <laughs> Once listen, again. Listen, there was one good spot I've seen, which was Shayna Baszler sh- showing up and whooping three people simultaneously. I was, I was excited, because when I came on, it was Shayna versus, like, their big dominant dude they've been showing all the time, and so I was like, are we about to get a fucking intergender match with Shayna Baszler destroying this guy? No, they didn't want to do that. Instead, just have her destroy every woman, every woman she could. The only thing that went through my head after seeing that in the title of it is like, like three women isn't enough. She needs five. <laughs> Biggie, Biggie comes in. Biggie now takes over Shane's spot, leading Ronda. I would take my money, all of it. I'll shove it across the table. Actually, fuck, man. Oh, I need that to happen. Biggie is the new Dario Cueto. <laughs> Book it, Vince. <laughs> Um. Uh, now I, I just want to hear. I want to hear Big E say ladder match like Dario Cueto. <laughs> it, it is so much too. So that like even when people are there that I'm interested in, it's just the the whole uh the whole segment itself feels so meh half the time. Yeah, like it's so hard to give that personality, and it's really weird to me because it's like. I've seen this successful before. Yeah. I know this can be good. With me, what are you doing? With me, someone who I will not name, but he was a very big guy, and I won't do it. I'm no longer going to do it, but he did bring up the fact that if you're saying this is the real wrestling, this is the real shit, 
what are we supposed to think about the rest of the fucking show? And I'm like, yeah, you got it, large individual. You're in, you're correct. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> Appreciate how you skirted around Trying that. So anyway, uh, onto the onto the show we don't get to see until next Saturday. Oh uh, no! I, actually, I do want to talk about the one highlight of Raw for me, and it's the one that me and Blake watch, and it's Ric Flair cutting the fucking promo of his career and i know i'm well it's it's potentially coming to a close real soon so i got it out there but yeah just him like randy doing heel randy shit of just being like i loved you i respected you but i don't respect you anymore and i don't love you and then rick cutting the most earnest rick flair promo of all time just being like you're right i'm not rick flair anymore I don't need to be Ric Flair anymore. I just want to be here. I want to keep doing this with you, with my daughter Charlotte. I want to keep being there. I was like, oh, fuck, this is very good. And then he got bodied by Randy Orton. Fucking blasted in the face. I mean, like I said, the way that they did the cut, the way that they uh, put the lights out to kind of make sure that Randy didn't actually kick a very old man in the face. Um... (laughs) It was very well done. Which is a rare sentence when talking about Raw. Yeah, even though it did distract me thinking that something else was going to happen, which didn't. But it's fine. Um, And I was like, oh my god, I actually felt like he did kick Ric Flair in the face. And he was like, kicking old school wrestling to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about more comparisons to that later. But yeah, like Dylan said, on to the show that's actually good. Why is it? Uh, also, Oscar won. So, yeah. Good draw. Now, uh, why? Uh, why is it not on Wednesday next week? Why is it on Saturday? Do they have to show John Wick retribution? Is it NBA, NBA playoffs. Oh, okay, NBA. Yeah, you know, you yeah, know, the thing that's is... going to draw like three times its ratings. Yeah, yeah. They've got like what? Set. They got seven hundred thousand this week, and apparently, a or uh, NXT didn't even make it on there. So, oops. And uh, now. Now I did see they're losing the demo so bad it's apparently embarrassing. Yeah. Now did uh I, I do have a question. How did guys groceries games do? Because I know that's twenty nine. Twenty nine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now uh, it, Dylan, you get Dylan for the demos. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't. I'm I'm fine with it. That is the one problem I think I have with AEW being on TNT is the fact that it's like. You know, every once in a while, the show's just not going to be on when it normally is. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's better than it's better than when Raw gets was just gone. It wasn't even on for a week. Like there oh, wasn't yeah. another day. It just the When's Mister Dog show is more important than The Rock. <laughs> We've got a marathon of suits this week, so unfortunately, we're gonna have to bump Raw. <laughs> God, I can't count the number of times that like. I have had my normal USA characters welcome lineup fucked up by whatever they're doing at the moment. By a, by a Suits Marathon. Suits Marathon. Or back in the day, I can't remember what channel it used to be on, but when I used to watch Bones when it came out, and it was fucking fucked by baseball. Damn you, Rizzolian Isles! I need my wrestling! Uh, TBS? Yep. I feel like that was TBS. Uh, other than that, it was a weird episode of AEW. Like it was all okay. So here, it, it was a good match quality. Yeah. yeah. Episode. Other than, and I will say, unfortunately, Cassidy Jericho wasn't 
what I wanted it to be, but also I was kind of cleaning, so I was only halfway paying attention. But that finish was... I understand Cassidy wanted to do, like, a clever roll-up, not just a normal no, one. No, no, he's done that roll-up a million times. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, like, the rat trap, all... Jericho just went the wrong way. He was supposed to go forward. He went backwards. Oh, okay. So it fucked the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A rat trap is basically a modified crucifix where you hook a leg and, like... Even Taz, even like Excalibur would be like, yeah, there's like, and Taz were both like, yeah, there's fuck all you can do, man. He's got three limbs. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're on your, and you're like stacked, you're fucked. It's over. Yeah, yeah. That is one of my favorite things about Taz on commentary is the fact that like, whether it be trying to get a suplex or anything, Taz is probably one of the greatest wrestling minds when it comes to those kinds of moves because as a commentator he'll be like look at him look you can see him dipping low so that way he can get more advantage picking him up on the suplex i'm like you don't have to be this smart you're next to tony shivani <laughs> you're fine yeah i mean someone needs to be a regal commentator in the business nowadays yeah so i'll give it to taz yeah no because like uh sky Cody was apparently good. I saw like the last bit of that. That looked looked okay. That looked okay. Um, from what I saw, the Bucks versus Dark Order was Buck like Young Bucks Wild in the best way possible. I like. I, I think I told you in chat it was the closest thing to an old school Bucks match I've seen in a very long time. And it yeah, made I me saw that. Happy. I got like I got like Golden Age like Young Bucks vibes. Where I was just like, oh my god, it's are they coming back? Are they gonna be like less lazy about it? Yeah, maybe. At least when facing Grayson and Nuno. When did the Young Bucks become, I guess since they started, basically, but they have become the Randy Ortons of AEW, where it's like, yeah, uh, no, everybody they, says they could put in the work if they try. Uh, it's when they went heavyweight, and they started trying to go for longevity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's that. I think, uh, I honestly think a lot of the elite guys kind of lost, other than Hangman, lost their luster. And I think it was because they were like, we don't want to put ourselves over. We want to put the other guys over. So we're going to slow our work rate down. And that's kind of where things like got lazy. But like, but now they're, but now they're picking back up. Yeah. A la, a la, a la Kenny Omega dragon suplexing Marco stunt on the outside. So hard that the water bottle fell out of his like back pocket. Thus causing Taz to be like, man, suplex him so hard. The water fell out of his ass. I I loved um, last week. It was the big six man match, and when Colt finally got tagged in, and he saw Kenny across the ring, Kenny just starts chasing him around the outside. I was like, "Oh, they're actually doing being the elite on AEW now. That's good to pay that off." Yeah, no, it, but Kenny Kenny is just going vicious on on folks, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of Sky and Cody, which we spoke of about five minutes ago, new titles here, and um, you know, it ain't as bad. I don't think. I think if they had kept the TNT part pure black, but kept the gold around the outside, it would have looked nicer because that fucking TNT logo is the worst thing you could ever do to a belt. I think, other than put a giant rat on it. Well, no. <laughs> I still actually no, Blake. I need we. I need you to settle uh s settle my my dispute with Scotty earlier. Which is worse, the new TNT belt or the United States belt? God, that's a hard one because it's like I get where you're coming from on either one, but I think from what I've seen, um, TNT logo aside, I like the TNT belt better. Um, 
because I feel like they did a lot of work. It's just like, it is just trying to put a lot of makeup over a big old, like, fucking ready to pop, like, pimple on your face. Because the TNT logo is the worst part of that title. Everything else looks good. I can point out, like, two or three things I don't like about the US title. Yeah, the thing is, is that, like, so that old TNT title grew on me over time, and I was like, oh, okay, and, like, I know this one will, too. Somebody else, I think, on Reddit or and on, on uh, Twitter was like, once that belt gets worn down, like, a year from now, and it's not, like, super shiny, it's, like, you know, the burnished bit to it, it's gonna look great. The problem now is that it's also shiny, <laughs> that it contrasts, but once it, like, wears down a bit... It gets thrown around the ring. Somebody gets hit in the head with it. It'll be fine. It'll be like the IWGP title where you just look at it and you're just like, yeah, that thing's fucking prestigious. You know what? what yeah. if, you know what? You know, rub some blood in it. Well, <laughs> I was I was going to do something similar and it's what happens when gold looks bloodier and that's bronze. That TNT logo and bronze would help it like blend in a little bit more. I know bronze is not a usual go-to for a belt because you want, like, precious metals there, but bronze would actually look really good in that, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, the thing is, is that it was TNT's choice. They they wanted this. It's their belt. So, like, yeah. you can't blame AEW. They fucking tried. <laughs> I'd love if there was a negotiation where they're like, we need our logo on the belt. Okay, um, could you get a new logo? Before we make the belt, please. <laughs> is that is that possible? I think that um, uh, if it if they did go to something bronze, which I would love the look of it in my mind, but it really would just open up like someone to promo against whoever the TNT champion was at the time, saying, "How does it feel to be the bronze medal?" <laughs> Cody cuts an angry promo. Everybody needs a pooper. That's why they invited you. Party pooper. Party pooper. I do love how you knew where it was going. Oh, yeah. I I do enjoy so like like so you your specific the most garish belt is on the person with the most garish tattoo, and I'm just like after a while you're gonna stop noticing. Like I barely notice the fucking neck tattoo on Cody. Which is such a weird thing to say. I barely notice his neck tattoo anymore. <laughs> I barely notice that swastika on that guy's face. You know, it's just, it's like it's not even there. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. You know, despite the swastika tattoos, that guy's a real asshole. <laughs> um, and the only other big AEW thing I have is I'm kind of upset they did a good... I, I, I was excited for it because they did a Proud and Powerful segment where essentially they took the best friend's gear covered it in bleach, and then left it in a shower to kind of just must for a while. And I was like, because oh, I thought that would look cool later for them to come out with bleached gear on the show. But, like, nothing. There was no follow-up. Like, at least last week when they attacked the car, you later got the follow-up segment of them discovering the car. You got nothing. There was no follow-up to this. It'll pay off. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they're going to come back to it in a month from now. We can we can talk about this in the closings too because I hope that it's a long-term <laughs> the, booking this thing. Is the, it'd be the most best friend storyline of all time if they forgot they brought gear and just showed up in the like in the uh locker rooms later and were like, "What the fuck is this pile of clothes? Oh shit, that's ours. <laughs> that's where that went." Oh, okay. I completely forgot this has not affected my life at all, damn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
now on to outside of things news. Impact, apparently the Good Brothers are doing even better now because apparently they are playing that towing that heel line of like, we want to go after Ace Austin. If you're in our way, we will fuck you up because apparently they just killed the rascals on Impact and apparently Wrestle House is right up my alley from what I'm seeing. Apparently it's very buck wild and charming. Yeah. My favorite, did you see the segment where, uh, oh, where Gallows and Anderson were backstage, they were talking to Scott Moore, and then at the end of it, Scott Moore walked away, he's like, I'm getting real Holland, Holland Nash vibes off these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Luke, he's not dead, but Luke Gallows really is the new incarnation of Kevin Nash. Like, I always get massive Nash vibes off of him. Listen, if I could see, if I could see Luke Gallows do a fucking jackknife powerbomb as his finish, I'd be much happier in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn. Uh, Think about how fun that would be. Let's see, other news, Brian Myers finally wrestled, and he immediately got a title shot, and apparently it was a good match. Apparently Brian actually came out, he's calling himself the most professional wrestler now, which is a great fucking name. That sounds like something you'd make up. What, I think no, that's why you uh, like it. No, my favorite is, uh, uh, did I talk about the sh- on the show about Dasher Hatfield? The fact that his new indie name is a very good professional wrestler because he stripped away everything that he once was. And it's actually led Warhorse to cutting my new favorite promo he's ever done because he's facing Dasher soon. And he goes, he goes, you've stripped away everything that people liked about you any part of you that was important or set you apart you have stripped away because you think that this is what you need to be and i was like fuck warhorse is cutting an intelligent promo what is this also no dasher not hatfield, enough ass ruling also dasher hatfield not a bad looking dude he kind of looks like a lost Kong brother. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if that fucking DK rap had one lyric where it was like, Baseball Kong is here, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's who he is. I know, but, like, after years of seeing with that baseball mask on, you were just like, I wonder what the guy looks like. Turns out, looks pretty decent. Like, Yeah, yeah. He's a, continuing he's a, that, that tradition of, like, why are you under a mask that's only broken up by Jigsaw, who deserves a mask? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, Kevin Condren's definitely... The, like, I remember the pay-per-view where um, Kid Cyclone got unmasked, and all my feed was for the next hour was, Holy fuck! Kid, Kid Cyclone's hot! He's very <laughs> hot! It's like, oh, why are you hiding that under a mask? And he still does, good old Jervis. Uh, finally... New, speaking of Good Brothers, apparently Rocky may have to lose uh, leave talking shop if the Good Brothers head back to New Japan, and that makes me very sad. Wait, why? Uh, they interviewed him, and they were talking to him about like talking shop a mania and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this is the big point: New Japan famously likes to keep factions apart in public, which could present a problem. As Romero, Gallows, and Anderson all host talk and shop, with Romero part of Chaos and Gallows and Anderson former and perhaps future members of Bullet Club, then they would be in opposing factions. Romero asks how serious New Japan is when it comes to keeping apart factions. Very serious. There could be something in the future where talk and shop won't happen happen with rocky that's kind of something we'll probably have to take on when the time comes because i'm pretty i'm pretty serious about new japan as well and how the factions run and yeah i, I was like wasn't he in chaos yeah yeah 100 percent. i'm pretty sure at some point he got like bodied by like 
the Young Bucks, and then later like that makes whatever, whatever. I and I'll I'll be honest. If Rocky does leave Talking Shop, I'm terrified for where that show will go because I know they're getting he, more he, professional. He just but... won't be on there publicly. Like he'll probably do some behind the scenes stuff, and they'll or still he like. Could be. He just comes out as Chico El Luchador. That's who he is now. It's just I'm new. I'm new. Yeah, new host. And speaking of new, you know where I'd like to see some new people? Patreon.com slash a load of BS, the website where you can support the Fight Boys. You can support... I'm sorry. I just heard Blake mumble. Just fucking... Ah, uh, here we fucking go. <laughs> Thank you. That's the website where you get access to exclusive content like Wrestling History X, where we talk about some of our favorite moments in wrestling history. I'm going to be doing one on John Cena's U.S. title run, a.k.a. the moment in time where John Cena actually became a babyface in my mind. And you can get that and other exclusive content at Patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now, we already did get a like from Cesaro earlier when I tweeted him about his good, good coffee, which is honestly not that bad. I loved it a lot. Uh, so who are we tweeting today? Because you have an espresso machine for some reason. <laughs> I got it for 30 fucking dollars, too. Uh, I don't know. You want to you tweet at Liv Morgan and ask her uh, if, uh, if the Raw Underground strippers are going to be joining Riot Squad? I can't. We can't do this to her. She's, she's being so supportive, and I understand it. I... I'm not even doing it as a dick move. I want to know. They could, like, like a, a women tag team having valets that are also women would be cool. All right, fine. Um, no, I, I can understand where your point's coming from. <laughs> yeah. um, I like to think you say things and then listen back in your head mentally and go, oh, fuck, yeah, I see where I messed up. Well, one of us has to. Oh, God, what the fuck's happening in wrestling? Hey, Kenny Omega, who who you gonna kill next? <laughs> oh, God. At, at Marco Stunt, how, how did it feel to have get suplex so hard water flew out your ass? <laughs> Let's see. Is he still on Twitter? He should be. He is. Because so many people have left Twitter recently. In fact, that does kind of lead into some heels of the week. Blake, would you like Chomping to start? Some st- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, originally, this heel of the week was just going to be how angry I was about, like, the fact that Fozzie kept continually doing shows. Um, in, and, like, on Reddit, there was this same uh, user that was posting all of Fozzie's shows that they were doing... When everybody in the crowd or in, like, the band was not following social distancing, all that good stuff. And whenever I went, there were three or four posts made by this person. And I um, saw them all earlier this week as they happened. And now they're all gone. Like, that person's Twitter, gone. And to the point that I'm like, okay, now I'm even madder. At people that are forcing people off Twitter. This is not something new that we uh, have on Twitter, but uh, assholes on Twitter is my heel of the week. Uh, the biggest one, I think, uh, out of all of this was, of course, uh, Brandy um, having to just like lock her Twitter and leave for a while. Which was, a, which, it, it, we talked about it last week. It was definitely a response to the heels thing, which I understand some people were probably giving her 
appropriate flack, but we know how Twitter works, meaning that probably there was worse flack to be had. Well, according to Cody, you know, racism and death threats, so... Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, absolutely, uh, unacceptable and the worst kind of person. Um, and also, now that I've seen more of what this fan club offers, I'm like, oh, it's just a fan club. Like, people are getting mad at almost, like, nothing in any other, um... In any other genre or any other uh, form of media or entertainment where fan clubs are a thing, like, that's normal. Welcome to and wrestling, like, oh, Blake. Welcome. Oops. Yeah, so this is wrestling oops fans being- assholes. Yeah. Oops! <laughs> so, big fucking props to the wrestling uh, tw- fans on Twitter that are being complete shitheads, which I'm sure there are many. Yeah. Not all, but many. So that's your that's my fucking heel. Y'all can well, eat an ass. Well, actually, a, a follow up to that is someone else who recently left Twitter. Actually, it was more than recently, but Matt Jackson, because, you know, Nick and Matt left a very fucking long time ago. And apparently on Instagram, he tweeted out. Let me get the full quote. I applaud anybody who decides to take a break from social media, especially the toxic world of Twitter specifically. We logged off when threatening messages were sent to us regularly. And finally, the last straw came when Google map images of our homes were being tweeted to us. It's been a nice break. If someone decides to sign off, good for them. Holy fuck. Fuck! What nerd ass bitch out there is like? I'm gonna look up where the bucks are because I don't like all their flippy shit they do in matches. Uh, I don't. I, I don't doubt that there are people out there who, of course, will never act on anything because they're just insecure little assholes that aren't worth the boots that the bucks lace up in every night. Um, so. It it just annoys me to the point that it's like, of course, there are always people like that, but they're the people that you remember on Twitter. They're the people that get to you because, I mean, being threatened and, like, having your home shown to you in tweets is pretty fucking threatening. And there's nothing you can do about it except get off. And I think that's the right thing to do. All right. Well, my heel of the week is uh, I couldn't really because I didn't want to do the tw- the Twitter sign off thing. I decided to save that for Blake, I guess. Uh, but instead, I'm doing a, t- a heel who's doing his job right. And that's MJ fucking F who once again gave an amazing promo this week. Basically, and my favorite thing about a heel is when they say something that it puts doubt in your mind like this might actually be true and he did that this week with moxley because of course the whole promo kind of resolved around this fact of you only fight people who are willing to lay down for you which brings back memories of you know guys like hogan and hall and nash and wcw guys who were like we're only gonna fight people who who will let us beat them and and so it's like, wait a minute, is Moxley that kind of guy? But of course, we remember the Matt. Like, I love it because you have Dar- like Darby Allen. Yeah, you have you have evidence that that's not true. That's or, why I love or, it. Or fucking all of his title matches. Yeah, ex- exactly. The bit, but, the bit, the bit where he had to choke Brody Lee the fuck out, and Taz had to throw the t- towel in literally for another match. But yeah, but that's what that's what makes it good. That's what made it a but, good promo. By like, the way. Sorry, add on to this. I do love that how John Moxley sneak attack, like pull off a sneak attack, 
by just coming out on the entryway because <laughs> he sent everybody on the crowd. He was like, make sure he doesn't. He always comes out like that. I think good on MGF because he was like explaining his actions. Like he always does that, and then John just like walks up casually behind him. <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, the MJF Mox feud is what Rollins Ambrose should have been. Yeah. Um, uh, my my favorite part of that promo, by the way, well, there were two. I'll talk about one after this, but it was when he was like, go out to the VOMs, the VOMs. And commentary spent the next five minutes going like, what the fuck is VOMs? And they're like, and then Taz explained it. Taz explained it. That was my favorite part. He was like, vomitoriums, you asshole. It's the entryways. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> but that part was good but my favorite part was when he was like moxley if you don't want to come out here here i'll make it more comfortable for you and then he lays down like full shoulders to the mat and then you got that beautiful overhead shot that they use and it just slowly panned in on his face and i was like this is artsy as fuck good for you tony khan hell yes but yeah this is this might be fe- and also the way that he sold um, the uh, oh, fuck. Pa- the paradigm shift, yeah, d- sold it like a fucking gunshot. But yeah, this might be feud of the year for me. Oh, by the way, John Cena did name drop the phrase paradigm shift in a promo recently, and I got very excited. He was like, "Some people are afraid of paradigm shifts in wrestling," and I'm like, "That motherfucker's been watching AEW. John's been watching AEW." God, John knows how to just fucking work everybody. He's so good. All right, on to Dylan for his heel of the week. Right, so uh, we went another week without Excalibur. And... Yeah. I... Taz stepped it up. I think they did it better this week because I listened to... I watched clips and Taz has filled in the Excalibur role of, like, move calling and, like, explaining things. But... Holy shit. Tony, like, Tony Schiavone can't do it. He'll just... It's one step above Vince McMahon saying, what a maneuver. That's where Tony Schiavone have is. They, uh, have they said why? Yeah, he don't He don't got the play-by-plays. Oh, okay. Have they said uh, why he got taken off? Was it because of that fucking Twitter video from 50 years ago? Or No, he removed himself because he didn't want it to come up. Oh shit! Excalibur oh, okay. exiled himself okay. so that it wouldn't it wouldn't be an issue for the product. I just gained so much fucking respect for Excalibur from that. I mean, I already had a shit ton. <laughs> I was awesome. like, I can't get any more respect for the man. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you you've already like reached your limit, and still you're adding more. What? Yeah. But, uh, it was okay. So here was the breaking point for me. So I was watching The Deadliest Draw, which is going to show up later in my my baby faces. And at one point, somebody had the Rings of Saturn locked in, which is my second favorite submission maneuver. It's right after the Anaconda Vice. No one ever does it outside of Pac, who, like, it's called the Brutalizer for him. But, like, had it locked in. And fucking Veda and Tony wouldn't call it. And I was yelling at my TV Call the move. <laughs> I'm never going to see someone pull the rings of Saturn off in a fucking match. Like as a transitional thing, and he wouldn't. Do, and I was after that. He called. He called a Yoshi tonic like Code Red a a destroyer. Yeah, yeah. Like he just. I, 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 he, I saw that. He busted. I was mad. I was physically. It was the most IWC thing I had felt in forever. 
Like, I felt ashamed of myself later, but I was like, no, no, at least this is with a necessary the, uh, thing. At least with the fucking Yoshi Tonic call, I think like a few seconds later, Taz was like, that Yoshi Tonic really got him. <laughs> well, I have to assume glaring at Shivani the whole time. Like, no, no, that oh. was during Deadliest Draw, he fucked it up, because, uh... So he did it twice. Mm. They did it twice. He did it twice. <laughs> no, well, yeah, maybe, maybe. I didn't, I don't know if it showed up last night, but yeah. I just had to rant about that because I miss I miss him. I miss Excalibur. Yeah. I didn't realize how much it was. Like I said, last night was better. Taz is doing a good job filling the void, I feel like. But like if you could re- if you could replace Shivani Shivani or or JR with Taz, I feel like you might come one step closer to the perfect commentary team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like when Excalibur's just I I realized how good he was when I started calling, when I had to do commentary for JWF and I started referring to people getting thrown out of the ring like so many sacks of garbage. And I went, oh no, I'm stealing directly from the masked man. I'm stealing his lines very much. Oh wait, that one? And then also, unbelievable! Uh, the uh, I did like the I did like the period where you uh, were channeling Maro for a bit, <laughs> and who just mia. said "Mamma Mia." Yeah, <laughs> uh, my baby face of the week though, going the exact opposite way towards one of the things is the deadliest draw is way better than it has any right to be. Like maybe not last week because I didn't watch that one because I hate the Nightmare Sisters. And I refuse to. I refuse to watch them. It's the only thing in AEW that I will purposely skip. I'm also shocked. Uh, Nyla and Ariana, or Honor Ariane, didn't go farther. Apparently, they got eliminated first fucking round. They did. They did. Apparently, it was like a one shot thing she wanted to do just to get back in wrestling, just to get her name back out there. But like, it was against two people that they're like pushing in Anna J and uh, was it Conte? Uh, uh, yeah, I think Tynara. They know, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, this week, this week it was so, it was Big Swole and Lil Swole. <laughs> and Who is I Lil did Swole? not know how much I needed this team. Because, like, also, also, I, like, somebody pointed out, or, like, I saw it, but I finally figured out that her one ring gear was fucking Tuxedo Mask inspired. Oh, yeah. So her, her ring gear is, like, Tuxedo Mask, the yellow Power Ranger, and like, there's one other one where I'm just like, "You nerd ass woman, I love you." But like, no, who is like, Lil Swole? Is her name just Lil Swole? Yeah, she has a different <laughs> name on the indies, but like, they're basically just calling themselves Big and Lil Swole. And like, at one point, Big Swole picked her up because uh, she was beating somebody else, and just carried her to the other side of around the outside. Just picked her up. By the way, no effort for Big Swole to pick up this like slightly larger woman because yeah, yeah. you know Big Swole. But that match, it, it was so it was impressively it was impressively good, even though it had Leva Bates and like was it Rochelle Chanel. I don't hate Leva. I'm a I'm a Leva fan. Did she stick to the librarian gimmick, or was she yeah. getting to be lit? Okay, then yeah, I'm, I understand but that. But she, I mean, like she still wrestled pretty well. She she got heat. Like she was doing a decent. The two of them were doing a decent job at one point. There were like a little bit of botches, but you're like, no, like good job, and it really showed off. Uh, big and little swole. Little swole got was the one that got the rings of Saturn in. Like, and Veda Scott was putting her over big time. 
Like Veda's trying, but you can tell she's I, uh, like new. I, I really wish I understand they're having to do basically the jobber gimmick with the initiative, but I want them to get bigger. Like they could be. Did you did you hear? Uh, fucking Cutler's number nine. What? Oh shit! Yeah. How? Yeah. What? What do you mean? Oh wait, you mean I thought you meant power rankings, but you mean in the Dark Order? Yeah. Oh fuck. You know how they had that random guy in the Dark Order for that six-man? Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, they're going to use that to finally tap that storyline from months ago. That's that's but, good. Uh, I, want, I want the world for Brandon Cutler. I think he deserves the world. Fucking talented as shit. But yeah, no, so back to the Deadliest Draw. The other match was um, fucking Ivelisse and Diamante who the graphic for them was literally that same one where it's like, if you choose player two, or if you choose the same character as someone else in Street Fighter, and they, they came out and, um, it was, it was great. My roommate came up and he was watching Diamante come out and he, he was like, that girl's real. She came out like had her just like, this is my house. He's like, you can, you can get intensity off that one. Everybody else is like, yay. Like Dasha was smiling, fucking like Elring came out and was like, whatever. Diamante, Diamante comes out and you're like, might shank a bitch. I, she wants this. She really wants this. But that match was probably the best match of the whole thing. And it had Dasha in it who had like, never wrestled i don't think like don't get me wrong rachel elring was in it and is like a very talented wrestler like you can tell why chris chris hero's a fan but it was it was so good and like all i want now is to watch evil uh and diamante face off against the swole family yeah, for yeah, like yeah. this championship and i swear to god if the nightmare sisters win this thing I will I will start boycotting. <laughs> <laughs> that will be what finally uh, turns me against against my uh against my allegiances is that like if these fuck I don't know why I hate them so much. I really don't, but something about the stupidity of this storyline. It insults my intelligence. I don't know. Yeah. I hate I, everyone of I hate QT Marshall now. Because of this storyline. It, it, it was such a weird change because, like, I hate storylines where they're like, hey, let's just ignore everything that's been happening. Like, fucking Allie in her debut. Well, not her debut, but no, quote, not her quote, debut. Yeah, her, uh, the Butcher and the Blade, their debut. They attacked fucking Brandy's husband. <laughs> like, you can't just ignore that shit. To be fair, to be fair, she was off TV for a while, but, um,. Yeah, no, and I, I dislike Dustin. I root against, like, the na natural nightmares now because of their association. Yeah. Well, like, I straight up want them to lose. Well, Blake, <laughs> on to your baby right. face of the week. Uh, my baby face of the week uh, is someone that I'm happy to say is doing charity through culting. <laughs> um, and that is that is evil Uno. Um he can just use his Chili's money. Chili's joined the Dark Order. <laughs> Man, just take all that money from Chili's. Uh, so, Evil Uno, he, for nine years, I believe, nine or ten years, has been helping to raise money um, for uh, wrestling with cancer every year. And they've been uh, partnering with uh, C4 Wrestling and the Canadian wrestling scene in general. And... Uh, Normally, they put on a show every year to raise money for wrestling with cancer. This year, they weren't able to do that, so 
Evil Uno, he just started streaming for it. He streamed for the money. And um the fa- that kind of uh just dedication and uh that drive always always really strikes a chord with me in anybody in the wrestling scene who wants to do something good and to give something back. And you know what? Dark Order all the way. <laughs> Join Dark Order. They've been it's consistently the best part of AEW. They've been every week. I should just send you like the timestamp link for the only reason I watch being the elite is I, I skip through the rest of it to wherever the dark order segment is. Cause <laughs> that's all that matters to me anymore. Like this week, this week Brody was like, like you yell, <laughs> you yell at him and he goes up to John Silver and gets in front of him. It's like, you're a piece of garbage. If you were a woman, I would kiss you. <laughs> and, like, sudden, and then Brody hands him the papers and he throws them and like glances off of Silver. And he's like, I feel in power. And he starts yelling. And then John Silver's like, you throw like a bitch. <laughs> it's the, it's like, it's so, it's so great. Evil Uno, I'm just like, is just he leans into his like the fact that he's just naturally a dork. Yeah, he's yeah. like leaning into it now on on that. He still like has the great like cult number two thing on like AEW. You know the bit where he comes out. His walk to the ring is like second only to Regal. Like it's Regal esque where he just comes. He does like the the waff away. Like yeah yeah shut up. But like his whole dorky persona really does help. Uh, uh, the, the 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 dichotomy between both of them really does help sell the fact that he's in a cult because that's what the fuck cults do to you. Um, also, somebody did uh, post that you should just have a charity where for every amount of money donated, Brody just hits someone in the face with a stack of papers. <laughs> yeah, that makes them pick it up by like pick up those papers. Also, uh, so Scotty, you and I called Brody Lee being the one to take the belt off of Cody, right? Yeah, we were like definitely him. I don't know though at this point. I don't know because it's because it's like the week before fucking all out. Yeah, that's the main reason. I'm like I don't know. I I don't know. I think tag titles are coming to the Dark Order before anything else, and that's not gonna happen for like a year. I was gonna say I was thinking that too until the fucking Dark Order lost the Hangman and because uh, like now they don't have anybody. Their secondary tag team is fucking Reynolds and Silver. That's never winning anything. <laughs> Uh, well, on to my baby faces of the week. One is Effie, because uh, since quarantine, Effie grew a mustache. And I was like, oh, that's just his quarantine facial hair. The thing that every most people grew. Appar- see, everyone else did that, right? That's why I had a fun one. That's why I had that fun fucking Tiger King look. You, that's, that's why you looked like if Triple H's fucking motorcycle mustache was stuck in a cave for a year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, look, uh, I li- I'm still living the quarantine facial hair vibes. Yeah, so, you look yeah. like Captain Tibbs. <laughs> That's what I'm going yeah. for. But uh, Effie actually tweeted. I think this. Yeah, it was today. I put this mustache on is a statement, and I went, okay, this is gonna be a fun thing. No, it's not. He goes, it's mine now, and neither of you are welcome in the space where I work and live. I will not allow coworkers and supporters to be at risk of further abuse. Effie is saving the mustache and taking it away from Joey Ryan and David Starr. Effie said, fuck you, the mustache is mine now, and I've never been happier. David Starr activated his Twitter, so I can't wait to see that fallout. Yeah, uh, God. Can't wait for his three-hour-long fucking Twitch stream where he apologizes, but not really. I, 
I hate him because he was so good right before everything went to shit that every time John Moxley says something, all that goes through my head is the fucking OTT promo where like he <laughs> David Starr pulls this like the 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 socialism thing on it, and every time I look at every look at it, I'm like paradigm shift, yeah, you went from working for one billionaire to another billionaire. God damn it! Why am I agreeing with this terrible person? Yeah, uh, but my main my main baby face is actually the best segment on AEW this week, and it was the tag team appreciation thing, which was Tully and Arn coming out, and then of course Rock and Roll Express and. Last week when I saw it, I went like, oh, these are just the guys AEW have on hand. They've used Rock and Roll Express in the past. They they have Tully and Arn there every week. That's why they're doing this. And then the segment started, and I realized, oh, wait a minute. The Rock and Roll Express are the Young Bucks. And Arn and Tully are FTR. Oh, fuck. This is great. <laughs> this is the greatest way to tell this story because, of course, that heel turn, firstly, it already cements their alliance with Tully and with um, with Sean because Sean comes out to distract the Bucks. So the so FTR can effectively destroy the old ver- like basically destroy what created the young Bucks. And I'm like. That's fucking phenomenal. That's great. Now it's setting up. I I think the way they're going to do it is all out Hangman and Kenny versus FTR. FTR wins. Uh, Full gear, Kenny and the Bucks. I'm going to say Hangman gets injured or something to take him out. But then at uh, Revolution, or I'm sorry, at Full Gear, we have the Elite. So Kenny and the Bucks versus Tully and FTR. Then Cody turns. I'd rather have Cody turn beforehand and then join rather than Cody. At this point, I think Hangman might join instead of Cody. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, you then get the f- four. Uh, Hangman would return fantasy booking for e- the elite plus Hangman versus the new four horsemen, quote unquote. And then next year, double or nothing, you finally get the one on or the two on two bucks versus FTR for the title. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh because I they planted all the seeds. Uh, even with Arn, they planted the seeds with that because they had Arn there and Tully just being like, "Why are you with him? Of all people, why would you be with Cody? Why?" And like made this whole thing about making being a champion being important. And now that I, I think Arn's going to turn before fucking Cody does. I think Arn's going to start doing heel shit. To keep the title on Cody, because now Tully's told him how much a title means, and so now he gets fixated on it, and then eventually... Sean Sean lost in the tournament, but Sean hasn't challenged Cody since, has he? No, not that I've seen. Okay, that'll probably be where that goes. Mm -hmm. What's Cardona doing, by the way? Because nothing this week. Shredding those abs, man. Shredding (laughs) those abs. He better be working on those traps, boy. He heard La Cava de Tequio was open and was like, fuck it, I'm not showing up for work this week, baby, let's go. You know what? If Cardona got the same deal that he's had in WWE where it's like, is he still employed? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it was just such a perfectly done segment because you had the you had the parallels right there. Then you got to see FTR take down what created the Young Bus. It was just a perfect segment. Probably one of the best booked segments of the year. 
So that is my baby face of the week. It goes to uh, the tag team appreciation moment. Yeah. Oh, fun fact, by the way, um, that I just read a little while ago. Uh, AEW has had more shows in the pandemic era than they had regular shows before this all started. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I guess so, because they only started in October of last year. So that makes sense. But uh, now on to our final discussion, and we get to talk about just our favorite boy, good old Seth Rollins. Uh, let's see, who recently was interviewed on the Gorilla Position podcast. Great name. He goes, although I've been careful to craft the character, nothing has been perfectly planned out for months in advance because I work for WWE. Added that, added that in. There's been no timetable on how things are going to go. Rollins then explained... In the age of instant gratification, audiences don't have the patience for long-term storytelling. When you can binge-watch your favorite series in two days as opposed to two months, it creates a different precedent for how we intake our entertainment. Which I will say is a lot less heelish than I thought. Because the quote was just like, audience don't have the patience for this. But once he explained, like, oh no, it's because of Netflix. It's because of, like, fucking binge-watching things. And I went, like... And honestly, I think he has a point on that. Like, yeah. I can't dismiss that. And that's what I want to talk about. Do you guys think long-term storytelling could still happen? Like, I think in New Japan it works, because you only really get maybe one to two shows a month. So that way you're kind of forced into long-term storytelling, at least here in the States, where people only watch, like, the big shows. Um, I mean, but- they... Work those storylines through multiple smaller shows leading up to that. Yeah. Like but, dozens. But I, I'm, I'm saying like when it comes to their big audience, which I would say is uh, also very much America, most of us aren't going to watch all of those smaller shows. So like they, they can do it a little do, easier. Do, do you want to do you want to? You wanna want me to tell you how long the Naito storyline took until this last <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom? No, no, you've yeah. done it enough. It's been seven years. It yeah. took seven fucking years. I think. So on, I, I think never honestly, tell me people don't have a payoff because people damn near jizz themselves after you won. So I don't yeah. want to hear anything. <laughs> I, I, I and honestly, Seth was talking about it, and Seth has probably the best long term story right now going on with Ray because if you looked at the night of his heel turn, the one person he kept going after was Ray Mysterio, and that was what ten months ago, and now it's all turned back around. Um, He's. I feel like I think that's an. Go ahead. Sorry. Go on. Oh, you're good. Uh, I, I think that's an interesting point to make because when uh, just thinking about it with uh, what I was talking about earlier, I think AEW has potential to bring long term long term storytelling back because they've only been around for ten months. So I have no idea what they're planning on doing. But WWE has moved away from long term storytelling like a long time ago. How long have we been? How long has, like, the Dark Order or, like, fucking, like, Hangman booking been going? And you're just like, I don't know where this ends. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, with me, that's what I was going to bring up is the fact that AEW's kind of mastered how to do long-term booking while doing short-term booking at the exact same time. It's like they know where they want to go, but then they're like, we can't just give them Moxley versus MJF every week so instead we'll do a short thing with darby we'll do a short thing with brian cage all the while you could still have mjf talking shit about the champion you could still have him doing his shit in the background building interest so that way it's not a 
this is the storyline. Here it is. It's a ramp. It is a, oh, I've seen this building for months. I mean, we all knew that's like I said a couple of weeks ago. That's the problem with AEW. But also the good thing is the fact that we all know where it's going. But it's because they are ramping things up as opposed to just saying, like, here it is. Live with this. But for- yeah, in traditional storytelling. Sorry, Dylan. I was going to say, but for, for every for every title, you're like, I see where this is going. And then, but for every one of them, there's a cutoff. And then past that point, you're like, after that, I have no fucking idea. Um, <laughs> like for the... For for AEW, it's up until All Out, and I was like, they could put it on MGF. I have no idea anymore. It's like I have no idea who who fucking Scorpio was. Who I thought Cody was going to drop the title to that didn't happen. (laughs) The the funny thing is, like WWE is always the one that like brings out the talking point of like wrestling is a never ending soap opera, and I'm like, yeah, but you end it every few months. It doesn't really last. Whereas, you know, AEW is following what I think of as more of a traditional hero's journey for whatever storylines they want. If you're a hero, then you overcome smaller obstacles to overcome a greater foe. And if you're a villain, then you take your power and increase it by defeating, like, weaker people until you become the strongest. And that is the perfect kind of storytelling that I like to see in wrestling because it's a storytelling that we can all resonate with. And that is long-term storytelling in its basest form. And that's what is best for wrestling. Honestly, if you look at the dark order, they were their, the best people to benefit from this because when they first came out, a, it was goofy. Like, yeah, we were all pumped that fucking evil Uno and uh, uh, I was going to call him player two, but I know that's right. Uh, Grayson, we were pumped to see them come out, but also we were like, this is kind of silly. And from AEW, like wrestlers perspective, they thought the same exact thing. They were like, this is goofy. This is silly. And the fact that everyone discounted them allowed them to slowly but surely grow in numbers week by week by week until now where they are an unstoppable fucking force. Like it's unless you're facing John Silver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know something funny? That's how cults work. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how cults work. But yeah, I think long-term storytelling can work. I think we have the patience for it because like, you can't binge this show. Like, I understand where Seth's coming from, but, like, you're going to have that problem no matter what with wrestling. Because if we they don't release it in seasons. We can't go back and binge all of season one of AEW. So, like, we're forced to have to deal with what we're given, which sometimes works. A la, uh, like, the MJF storyline, where you're just like, what's going to happen next? And sometimes it doesn't work, because you're like... All they did was pull out a fucking chainsaw. That's all they did. I don't care about this. I feel like so it doesn't actually sound that heelish. And I was just like, uh, you were you were talking, and all I heard was like, so what you're telling me is that Seth Rollins opened his mouth, and the company line came out of it. Came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like exactly. A, like a goddamn puppet. Because <laughs> I always I always bring up. I think Triple H is the one that mentions it the most, that wrestling is a never-ending story. It's a never-ending story. But WWE is always the one that falls into this pit of 
they only deal with short-term booking nowadays. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they've done some pretty good long-term shit, like Charlotte and Becky, which, um, unfortunately, they didn't do well, but it was definitely long-term fucking storytelling. The thing is, most of their long-term storytelling, they just kind of fall into. Yeah, it's all stuff that they they were like, if we edit this stuff from the past, then it looks like we've been doing it the whole time. It's just like you didn't. You just did enough random shit that eventually. Yeah. Or it's like, I think of something like JWF, honestly, and I mean, that shit's booked out pretty far in advance. Sometimes it changes a lot. I, but a lot of times it I'm doesn't. Not, I already know what's happening at Wrestlepalooza 6, which is three years from now. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, Bold no. Bold of like, you to assume this podcast will last that long. I mean, I mean, you, you thought the same thing three years ago, baby, and look where we are now. We have less subscribers. That's where we are. <laughs> All right. What did you boys learn this week? You know, I learned that chainsaws don't make good wrestling. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I, I have, I'm going to say no to that because of that fucking Finn Balor demon entrance where motherfucker had a chainsaw and looked like Jack the Ripper. It does work. It's all right. <laughs> well, you can't rely on a chainsaw for good wrestling. How about that? Yeah. Uh, I, I learned that uh, apparently... No new title belt in wrestling can be not shit on for the first month. Yeah. And I learned that I'm better at long-term storytelling than Vincent Kennedy fucking McMahon. Where could people find you on the internet? Uh, in your in your apparently billion-dollar office you're going to get soon. Oh, yeah, hey. baby. You can get your own T-Rex skeleton. Fuck it. Just the head. I should 3D print one and just, like, leave it right here. Here. <laughs> you can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the Darkroom Vigia on YouTube. You can find me here on the BS Network every single week, even though we haven't recorded a podcast or a, a BS podcast in over a month now, maybe? Yes, a month. Well, we've been releasing episodes. Don't act like that. True. <laughs> but you can find me on podcasts like uh, Fight Boys, of course, BS, and of course. Deviant, whenever it comes back. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, buy my books on Amazon, and of course check out my brand new podcast, Sammy Magic, the show where I do I retell Harry Potter but make it ten times fucking better. And you can find that and all our other shows at a load of purebs.com. Special thanks to Megaran for our theme song, Fighters. <laughs> Oh, I. What the. F what? what just no! happened? <laughs> Snooze, you lose, motherfucker! <laughs> I thought you were gonna do your Twitter shit or something. Aha, uh -huh, <laughs> joke's on you, I don't have any. And as always, you can find us at loadofpurebs.com. Step up to our merch table, merch.loadofpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter, even though we talk shit this week, Marco Stunt, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life. <laughs> <laughs>